Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Bright Kumalo. Joining me to take your questions this evening are Jean-Pierre Fester from Protea Capital Management and Rikas Riedes from PSG Wealth Remsech. Do send those questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at Business Day TV using the hashtag stockwatch. Gentlemen, uh, welcome, welcome to the show. Uh, it's been a while. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be back. Um, I'll start with you, um, JP. I mean, can you give us a market wrap, you know, locally, how we did? And obviously, there's been a, a handful of um, companies releasing their updates, you know, all the way from Vodacom, Pepco, ShopRite. You can go down that list, you know, to Ital Tile and uh, Pan African Resources. So shall I, shall I just do everything? <laughs> no, <laughs> just going one by one. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I, I won't touch on everything. I'll give some for Rikas also to talk about. But it was a negative day on the market, the last day of January. A lot of red on the screen, especially some commodities. The gold mines yeah. were down sharply. Um, and from the updates that you've mentioned, I mean, ShopRite came out with a, with a very strong update in terms of their revenue, uh, which has grown stronger than many of their competitors. But they also caution to say that uh, they've spent more than a half a billion rand on diesel for generators because of yes, load shedding. Yes. So initially, the market was very positive on that update and then realized, well, if costs are growing sharply and the gross margin is actually slightly lower, maybe it isn't that positive. So the shares ended down at the end of the day. And then uh, some of the other updates were late yesterday, like uh, like Italtal. Italtal is a great business, but also they indicated their earnings will be down slightly versus a year ago. And that also just speaks to the tough position that the South African consumer is in. You yeah. know, when people uh, are struggling with load shedding, struggling to get to work at a decent time, yeah. uh, whether it's potholes or uh, traffic lights not working, sentiment is low, confidence is low, and then people tend not to splurge and, and spend money on redoing their bathrooms or, or spending on other stuff. So things are tough at the moment, Brighton. You can see that in some of the updates that are coming out now. Yeah, I mean, that's reflected, um, you know, in, 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 in the price of the rand against major currencies. I mean, against the US dollar, the last time I checked was around 1742. I mean, that's a big slide from, you know, 1692 weeks ago before this, these whispers of a, um, another state of emergency that's caused by them, which doesn't make any sense this time, right? There's no, there's no disaster in South Africa happening except for the ones, you know, you know, the, the, we shot ourselves on the foot, essentially. Um, what stood out for you um, in these releases, uh, Rikus? Well, um, as far as the release are concerned, JP has mentioned um, all the factors that are impacting negatively. And, yeah. and yes, it's the consumer getting squeezed on the one side. So um, retailers are losing out on margin um as people buy down um their input costs in other words the company's input costs have risen in line with um, a lot of things where energy is a big part of it whether it be the lack of energy or 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 if you can um substitute like ShopRite has done with diesel you pay for it so um companies margins are being squeezed as the consumer suffers really and you can see it also in the in the kind of price movements we've seen post results you know all the retailers um even if they were okay it's just the outlook that's that's pretty dim um from all of them so um it's a losing battle whether you whether you are buying stuff from them 
or whether you're selling the stuff to us. Yeah, and we saw Lisetja Khanyaho basically lowering our expectations for GDP, essentially. Um, you know, I think we're going to, at some point, we're going to join the UK being one of the only only countries that are going negative uh, in a world that is expected to grow, you know, north of 3%, which is very sad, uh, being an emerging market and all. Um, let's jump into our questions for the evening. We've got one from Herit, who says, good evening. What's the panel's view on taking up rights issue, the EOH rights issue? Um, JP, do you have any insights on, you know, whether it's it, it's a decent take-up? Hmm. So um, the, the null-paid letters, which is the instrument you use to take up the new shares in the rights issue, um, are st still trading at a positive price. So there's still value in exercising your rights and taking up the shares yes. versus just letting your null-paid letters expire which means uh, you lose, if there's some value left, effectively that, that right you have to take up shares. And the shares that you take up will then be in the new EOH. And I call it a new EOH because where we are now is literally the management team have done a great deal to, to clean all the skeletons out of the closet. But there was nothing left in the closet after they cleaned out the skeletons. So the rights issue is actually to capitalize a business afresh. And the rights issue is so big that you are effectively applying to buy shares in an initial public offering, if you think about it. It doesn't add to capital. It's literally going to be all the capital of the business. I do think it's a decent business now, after they've cleaned everything up. So I would support the, the, the rights issue. I would take up my rights. I would buy more shares. And um, I do believe that from this base, uh, EOH will hopefully grow without the big interest expense that they had to pay for the last few years. The right issue will address that. So I'm reasonably positive on from, on EOH from these very low levels. So reasonably positive. Uh, would you touch this one, um, EOH? Well, if it's, um, I won't go buying into it. I mean, possibly it's a huge recovery story, but um, I'm always of the opinion that I leave companies to go through difficult times on their own. I'm not part of the team, if you understand <laughs> what I mean. Yeah. I'm, only a, I'm only an owner of second-hand shares. If you've got EOH, um, it's it's probably such a small part of your portfolio at the moment, you're going to, going to be so diluted if you don't take up your rights that you might as well take it up. But <clears throat> as far as putting extra money into it is concerned, as I've said, I don't want to be part of their um struggle yeah and um and i'd rather go into something else which doesn't have all this baggage yeah i mean the markets are so you know vast um the opportunity cost for capital here is might be very large um you know especially on a risk adjusted basis uh, we have a question here from richard who says uh, hi saw the naspers uh, cfo basically uh, selling about 92 million worth of naspers shares in the middle of a of the company participating in a very large share buyback program. Is this something to be concerned about as a shareholder? Uh, JP? Now, it's an interesting one. What you don't want is for the company to be buying back shares at the same time as what management are selling shares because it sends two contradicting signals. Yeah. The company says at this price the shares are worth buying and the management team who we're part of that decision, say this price, they prefer to be selling their own shares. But in Asper's case, I think it's slightly different. 
And that is because they have an open-ended buyback program. So they have been in the market for months and they are going to be in the market for more months. So if you say that directors aren't allowed to sell shares while the buyback is happening, then literally you're saying directors can't sell shares for years. And that in itself doesn't feel fair. In addition, I would say that the it does. It does. It does shares. feel. It does feel fair, uh, considering how much management already makes in a company like Naspers. It wouldn't hurt you to wait a couple of years. I mean, a couple of years being one, two. Absolutely. Look, you you would know that when they get uh, uh, allocated shares, quite often there's a deadline before which they must exercise their options, and fair the moment enough. you exercise your options, you create a tax event, and you must pay the tax. So quite often management have to sell shares, even if it is just to pay the tax. So I'm not defending them. I'm just saying I can see the scenario where it's not as bad as what some people think it is because it's an open-ended buyback that will be here for a number of years. And the management team is a fraction of the value that is being bought back by the company on a daily basis in the market. How does this make you feel, Rikas? Uh, is management putting the cart before the horse here? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think JP explained it very well. It would be nice if it wasn't necessary, but yeah, you can't um, lock yourself in indefinitely. I think it's not um, it's not indefinite, man. I mean, you could go or, to the bank and, well, and 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 lend, you know, put your shares well, against, you know, I don't know, man, as collateral. Okay, okay, let's let's There's go so many from indefinite to for for a certain time. I think what would be nice, and just off my top of that, I'm thinking of a company called Nextel, um, where the owners and the managers said, you know, we are going to sell X amount over the next uh, year or whatever. In other words, here's, you know, here's our intention. Um, and that gives you guidance rather than speculation as to why management might be selling shares. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's that that's a fair um you know observation there uh, we've got a question here via sms which says accelerated property fund announced 50 million rights so little is it worth uh, to exercise uh, this is from leo more rights issues from you know companies accelerate property fund um do you look at that one Rikus? not at all uh, jp yeah accelerate property fund has got a colorful history and it's particularly colorful because they're involved in what's something that for me is always a red flag, and that is material related party transactions. Yeah. And what you have here is that the founder of the group, which is a listed property holding company, has bought properties from the founder in his personal capacity or from other companies that the founder owns. And primarily it stakes in the, uh, the four ways more in Johannesburg. And They've, the company has spent so much on buying four-way mall uh, um, uh, stakes from the owner that they effectively don't have much money left. And they've taken up even more stakes in four-ways to try and address certain loans that the founder had to the company and offset that, but the coffers are still empty. So they need to do a rights issue of 50 million rand, which is actually very small if you think about it when you think of the costs of a rights issue. So I don't like this. Uh, I've been short accelerate property funding in the past because of these concerns about related party transactions. I would not support the rights issue. And I think um, it stinks from a corporate governance perspective when you have a rights issue to indirectly fund the operating expenses of the company 
because they got into too much related party transactions with their founder. It's, it's just wrong. Before we go into our question, I'd like to ask you guys if you're watching anything in particular in this week's set of numbers that are going to be coming hard and fast uh, in the U.S. particularly. Uh, JP, anything you're watching? Well, it is fourth quarter <laughs> result season right now. So, Bright, I don't know about you because I know you look at global shares as well, but I'm, I'm swimming Swap. and sometimes feel like I'm drowning in results <laughs> announcements. I mean, that's all I've been doing this last week and I'll be doing it the next week. So, um, Nothing in particular stands out. Everything stands out because I've, I've got results coming out of my ears. So if everything stands out, nothing stands out. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like how you <laughs> delicately put what we're going through during earnings season, especially for full years, my word. Um, your side, nothing. Um, well, we'll get to my stock pick later. That's what I'm looking forward to because they're okay. releasing on the 6th of February. Okay, 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 Rick. So I'm going to instead, let's talk about local banks because this one is from Anthony who says, can I ask the panel's feelings on banks, in particular NetBank, Standard Bank and Investec? Um, or just, you know, the South African banking landscape uh, with all the interest rate hikes, um, you know, that we've seen uh, recently. Uh, will, does this, you know, translate into stronger bank earnings for the next two years or so? Rick? Should, um, but as we said, consumers under under pressure. So I'm not sure that side of their business is going to have it that easy. But on the corporate side, um, um, guide, guided by results, that's been doing pretty well. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, companies basically having to um, reinvent reinvent their own energy supply. So so that's a lot of capital investment. It's yeah. not necessarily productive, but it's very good for banks. Doing it that way, Investec, obviously a little bit different considering the market then, specifically in the um, UK, which is going through a horrid time, but they seem to have um, managed their operations in the UK pretty well as far as your sort of, you know, your um, higher income client is yeah. concerned. So, um, and I think that's reflected to a certain extent in the share price. And if the UK can get themselves any reasonably better than they are doing at the moment, as far as their economic environment is concerned, um, for the first time in, in quite a long time, I'm, I'm pretty interested in, in investing and their way forward. Yeah, interesting. You mentioned, you know, basically businesses and South African individuals who are homeowners trying to find their own alternative sources of energy. I mean, I, I had to cough out an investment myself. I think it's, we can say one thing, it's great for the environment, but I'm not so sure on the corporate front because they're looking for big, powerful, energetic diesel generators, not, but a, not so a solar solution. So yeah, you know, 10 steps forward and uh, I don't know, 60 back. Uh, JP, banks? Yeah, I, I still like the banking sector. I, I think NetBank specifically is financing a lot of green energy. Um, you know, they've got a lot of solar panels themselves for their, for their own head office in, in Santon, and they are quite active in, uh, in, in financing some of these independent power producers. But Standard Bank similarly, and, and both of these businesses, well, more so Standard Bank has got significant African operations that went through a rough time, but hopefully things are looking slightly better now with a higher oil price than, um, than say, a year ago um, before the, the Ukrainian invasion. 
Yeah. So uh, we'll get results in the in the coming month for these banks that have December year ends, um, Standard Bank, uh, NetBank, and APSA, and the interim results for first round. December is the interim period. And like I said, I'm looking forward to them because I actually think they could show like a lot of sectors in South Africa, even though things are tough, South Africans find ways to still just get along with business, whether it's the retailers like we spoke about a bit earlier yeah. or the banks. Uh, South Africans find a way. We're quite resilient. So things are negative at the moment, but it doesn't mean it's an all-fall-down situation. So I'm seeing the silver lining in these dark clouds at the moment. I like that. I mean, um, someone was saying on Twitter that there's a lot of for sale signs out there which should tell you, you know, people are trying to refinance their houses or get rid of them because, I mean, uh, you you bought in a low interest rate environment. You I don't know, you 3.25% in, you know, up than where you started. It's starting to feel... A little hard, <laughs> especially if you went for the you know the the property that you can actually afford there at the brink. So you're learning the hard way about budgeting. Um, I guess this is the reality of South Africans in general um, when it comes to interest rates. Uh, we have a question here from Anthony again, who's asking about uh, our opinion um, with regards to Sun International. Uh, can we expect good results this year and a good dividend? What does the panel think, Rekas? Well, I'm still positive for the term industry. Um, <clears throat> I haven't seen final numbers for um, what we got over the, over the December period, but um, yeah, I've been positive on tourism last year. I'm still positive on tourism this year. Um, they're having the same problems as, as a lot of other companies as far as cost and keeping the lights on and so forth is concerned. but. Um, if there's one industry in South Africa locally that can provide growth, it's tourism. Um, and they, and the whole, the whole sector um, has been through COVID. They managed to survive. They're sitting with a lot of operational gearing. Should we have even just slight growth in tourism going forward? Yeah, it definitely will translate in some decent earnings there. Like you're saying, operate leverage cuts both ways. Um, any insights on, on Science International? I almost moved to Tungela here. Sorry, JP. Well, my, my preferred gaming stock is Sun Gaming. I, I think it is uh, better placed and uh, less hotel exposure than Sun International. Also, Sun International was already quite highly geared and now they decided to buy a big chunk of uh, Grand Parade investments. When another investor started to build a stake and even went over 35%, Battle of um, Eagles. And Grand Parade is, yes, but Grand Parade owns some minority stakes in Sun International properties and divisions. So I can understand that Sun International was seeing that there might be someone they don't know well all of a sudden owning a minority stake in some of their casinos. And they didn't like that. So I think because they, they put out a lot of money to buy a blocking stake in Grand Parade, uh, I wonder, in terms of the dividend, what's going to happen now? Because that's how they've allocated their capital. So I prefer Sun. Uh, I prefer to talk with Sun Gaming because it's a bit of a cleaner story for me. Yeah, yeah, that's it's it's interesting. Um, you know that proxy fight that's pending. Let's see how proxy fights work in South Africa. If we're being honest, um, the coal price has come off quite a bit today. I'm holding a lot of Tungela at the moment. Should I offload Tungela due to the dropping of coal price? This is Dean. I know Dean. <laughs> so, um, uh, Rikas? <coughs> well, okay. So, 
together does metallurgical coal. Um, China has reopened its relations with Australia specifically, so there's a um, a bigger market for Chinese imports. Um, that's depressed the price somewhat because obviously there's more supply on the line. The other side of that coin is um, how China is going to recover economically um, after they reopen sooner than expected. Um, so I am not sure about the Tungelo share price, to tell you the truth. It's done very well. Technically, it's it's uh, hovering around the uh, 200 round level. I'd hate for it to go below that. But I still believe that the story for commodities is not yet over, even if China doesn't reopen as quickly as quickly as expected. Whether Tungelo is fairly priced, though, not too sure about that, specifically not um, taking into account the fact that they might be mining the stuff, but they can't get it onto a ship because of um, Transnet. Yeah. Um, to add onto that question, I mean, do you see their margins, or should I say, uh, dividend in this case, because this, uh, it's a, it's a high-yielding stock? Uh, can they sustain this dividend in the next two years or so, uh, on top of what Rikas has said, uh, JP? Well, uh, the next dividend will be effectively for the period to December, June to December. And in that period, there was still reasonable tonnage going to the port, lower than expected, but reasonable. And the price on average for the last six months of last year was still quite a bit higher than where the spot is today. I think it's $140 um, today. Yeah. So there will be a big dividend within the next two or three months for that period. The tricky thing, right, to your question is, what about the next two years? And a lot depends on a normalization in Europe, with uh, Russia historically being a big supplier of energy, and China reopening, as Rikas has mentioned. So you, you can, I, I can actually, almost like an economist, give you two stories, right? <laughs> I can quite forcefully <laughs> give you a story that says that Tungela is very cheap and energy is going to increase because we've got a worldwide shortage and you should be buying. And I can tell you a story to say that the worst is over. There was a, a, a mad scramble for coal in Europe. But because the winter wasn't so cold now, they're okay and coal should normalize down further. And it's for you to pick which one of those two narratives you prefer. Yeah, and we've seen a couple of um, old uh, coal mines being reopened in, in Europe, you know, whether it's Germany or the UK. Um, so, I don't know. Competition seems to be coming back online, um, you know, but they have to go through a lot of hoops, whereas I guess, uh, you know, Tungela's coal is readily available. Um, so gentlemen, I think it's time for us to jump into our stock picks for the evening. Um, I'll start with you, Rikas, you're very excited to share it with me. Yes, as I said, they'll be reporting on the 6th, they listed in New York. Um, companies called IDEX Labor uh, Laboratories. Yes, um, labs, yeah. They in they're in the medical field, but they're in the animal medical field, specifically pets. They sell diagnostic machines to veterinarians, plus the peripherals that um, go with it. So that's about 50 or 60% of their business. So it's nice annuity income, and the machines don't come cheap. They've been growing earnings for the past five years, about 26% per annum. It's probably going to slow down a little bit, considering what the dollar is doing, but the main reason for the longer term that I'm interested in the stock is a, is a demographic thing. 
Um, there's a lot of boomers retiring at the moment. They're going to downside, and the first thing they get is a bet. You can <laughs> see what's happened in Japan. It's going yeah. to happen in the US. It's going to happen in Europe. These guys are worldwide, and they're the leader in that field. Um, so total growth story as far as I'm, as I'm concerned. Not cheap, but um, looking further ahead, I don't think um, that's an area or a sector that you can ignore. So this one is a retirement play, but let me say, as of recent, I mean, recent in the past five years, I can tell you um, our pets have been getting um, some good PR out there. I mean, there's been a lot of businesses, you know, being unbundled in the U.S. and, you know, getting their own uh, listings so they could see, you know, how they trade and how their earnings look. Um, so one of them obviously is IDEX, uh, but there's, there's quite a lot in that space and I like it. Um, it's just that they don't look cheap, like you say. Uh, JP, uh, your stock pick for the evening? Stock pick is Match Group, listed in the US. They are reporting tonight. So there's always a risk of picking <laughs> a stock which is coming out with the results imminently. Um, it's a company that's a leader in the online dating market. So they own apps like Tinder and Hinge, for instance. Now, I'm happily married, so I've never downloaded or installed these apps, but I hear from my friends that uh, Tinder is like the biggest one where everyone goes. And if you're a little bit more refined and you want um, a, a more select audience, you use Hinge. And with them having both these apps, I think they're well placed to continue with their platform strategy and being the dominant platform. Yeah. And also we've seen cuts when it comes to the Apple Store and the Google Play Store of uh, when people spend money within the app. It used to be 30% that goes to Apple or Google. That is now being cut, especially in Europe. The European regulators are looking at that. And that will fall right to the bottom line for Match Group. So with humans, doesn't matter what happen, happens, we all look for connection. There'll be young, single people who will be looking for a mate for years and years to come. And I think they'll be using apps like Tinder and Hinge. And that human condition tells me that even though in the short term, the shares, uh, the shares of Match Group aren't necessarily cheap, over the long term, I think having the dominant platform within online dating is a very strong position to be in. Yeah, so if I can summarize this, Rikas is saying get a pet and uh, JP says swipe right on Match Group. Thank you very much, gentlemen. <laughs> uh, thanks to my guest, Jean-Pierre Fister from Protea Capital Management and Rikas Riedes from PSG Wealth Remsech. Julieta is back with Stockwatch tomorrow night. Thank you. <laughs>